friends, Chris Sauter, lead pastor at Neighborhood Church. We work hard at creating content every week that is life-giving and inspiring for people to live a full life. So we're inviting people who find this stream to be life-giving and encouraging to consider becoming a sustaining member at Neighborhood Church. That could be a one-time gift or to subscribe monthly. And you can do that at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Thank you, friends, and enjoy the message. Good morning, church. Good to see you. Nikki here. And we're an hour earlier. We did it. Daylight savings yet again. Uh, Cheers for that. I need extra coffee today. So it is just me today in the hub. Um, I'm really excited for when it's not just me and it's all of you, so I'm missing you. Uh, It has been a year um, since we started doing live or doing Facebook live services. And I know that um, we've been seeing this all week, all of the one year anniversary uh, stuff. So if you wanna share, those of you who are live with us this morning, if you wanna share how you're feeling with that, um, it's okay to have lots of feelings. Maybe you're feeling celebratory because you made it. Maybe you're sad. Um, I know I have a blend of all of those things this morning as I stand here in the hub. I miss you all. And we are. We're making plans to gather together again. But we want to do that so we can be as safe as possible. So it's really hard to receive good things when we don't feel safe. And so we want to make sure that we can come back here and celebrate together and drink coffee together and sing together and feel good about being in this space together today. So uh, let's start with a couple of announcements that we have going on. And I've got a great story to tell you all today. I'm really excited about it. So here are some things that are helpful for you to know. Um, If you're looking to connect, enjoy and have some fun throughout your week, you need to join uh, the trivia night that's on Wednesday nights at 6.30. Uh, Weaver sets it all up. My favorite, we we join, our family did it this week. It's family friendly. And my favorite thing, one of the things he had on there was we had to identify the different ears of different animals. It was a hoot because then, you know, we're arguing with our kids about is it the ears of an ostrich or is it the ears of a bat? Anyway, so if you're looking for a little giggle throughout the week and you want to uh, enjoy and laugh and learn, you can join that. And there's a link on our website uh, for Trivia Night. We're making plans for Easter. Uh, We are going to do a service right here on Facebook and on our website right at 10 o'clock. But then right after that, if you would like to join us, we're going to do coffee and donuts in person. There's a couple ways you can do that. Uh, You can come inside the building if you like and grab some coffee and donuts and take a tour of the space. If you've missed it, maybe you want to sit in like this lovely yellow chair that you've seen and touch all the plants. Maybe that's not your jam and you'd prefer to stay outside. We're going to have a coffee bar outside for you to grab coffee and donuts. Or if you want to drive by, grab your stuff, wave, and then head out. We've got lots of options for you to do that too. We would just love to see you. 
And so what we'd like you to do though, so that we can have enough coffee and donuts and all that, we'd love for you to RSVP. And there's a spot on our website for you to do that. Um, we wanna make sure that there's plenty of donuts for all. It would be total bummer if you showed up and there wasn't a donut for you or enough coffee. So you can check our website for that. And I should probably tell you where you can find it if this is your first time. Our website is at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. And you can find all kinds of great stuff there. We've got a blog posting that I write on every week. Um, you can check out more information about our church. And you can register for Easter. And you can find all the links for the groups that we have going on, especially that trivia night. All right, one, I think that's it. That's it. Oh, so every week we take time to uh, reflect and remember God's generosity with us. Now, there is a way for you to share. Um, if you want to support uh, the work that we're doing here financially, if you appreciate the content that you are seeing every week, we would love to have you support us. There's a way for you to do that on our website also. Um, but we take time to pray every week together. And if you'd like to join me, we call this the prayer of generosity. And you'll see that there's a link to our weekly program. So if you want to open that and read with me, I'd love to have you do that with us this morning. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We bring nothing into this world and we take nothing out of it. We who call Jesus Lord devote ourselves to resisting greed which plunges the human heart into ruin and pierces it with many griefs. We are determined to practice generosity with free hearts, fixing our hope on God and not on the uncertainty of wealth. We desire to be rich in good deeds, willing to share what we have, laying up for ourselves treasures that will not decay, but will shine in the age to come. Amen. As I've been reflecting this week on um, our one-year anniversary of um, our lives changing, of moving digitally to things, of uh, quarantining to our homes, of the shutdown that happened, um, it brings up a lot of feelings. And sometimes we can push right through all of our feelings um, because we want to just keep moving forward. And sometimes it feels icky to stay stuck in sad or hurt feelings. Uh, what I would love to encourage you to do is to pause today and remember. Um, maybe you're tired of remembering. Maybe you're watching all the news stories and news cycles like, can we just move on? And yes, we will. But the moving on oftentimes is slower than we think. Sometimes healing comes faster. Sometimes it's slower. We can't rush it. Um, so when I was feeling some things this week, I thought I would write a prayer for us to read together as a church. I am a fast-paced person, and so it is hard for me to sit and meditate. And so one of my practices this year has been to sit with my thoughts, to sit with God. Uh, oftentimes I do this when I'm taking a walk if I'm too antsy to sit. Um, but just to connect with divine and find out what is it that's going on in me that perhaps maybe I'm pushing right past, that I need to stop and understand something that might be missing about what God created in me or in humanity or in creation. 
And so I, as I thought back to all the things that we have all felt or that I felt personally through uh, walking through the pandemic, I thought I would write something to help us reflect on some of the things we experienced. And so we're going to be reading this. It's called uh, Remembering Our Pandemic Losses. We're going to be reading this every Sunday until Easter. And then on Easter, we're going to be reading one that talks about all the things where we've experienced life or new growth. Um, but we're going to start here with the things that we have lost. There's a, a link in our weekly program if you want to read along uh, with us. And then when I'm done reading, what I'd like to do is just take a minute uh, to sit quietly for us to think if you want to read back over or if a phrase sticks out to you that you'd like to read or reflect on, I encourage you to do that. This is our, this is our worship time uh, this Sunday. Remembering our pandemic losses. For the disruption to our routines and rhythms, for the heartache of our robbed dreams and plans, enduring love, carry me. For the robbery of life by the viciousness of COVID, for sleepless nights and lost taste buds and aching joints, grief, guide the way. For the death of those we love. for the sickness that changed our bodies. Sorrow be our shelter. For the greed that consumes, for the broken trust in desolate systems, hope of our ancestors come. For the unspoken aggressions on weary shoulders, for this fatigue that lingers, enduring love carry me. For the alienation and withdrawal of physical distancing, for the ache of missing those we love, peace beyond understanding come. For being misunderstood, abandoned, and rejected. For the panic and rage brought on by masks. And for all that cannot be undone, we cry, renew, remake, restore. Feel free to read back over that. Let's take a moment of silence.
Thank you, church, for joining me in that. If you find you need a guide throughout the week, I encourage you to go ahead and can share that or use that prayer. If you find it might even be hard to grieve, um, I encourage you just even grab a phrase out of that and pray it over for yourself. And I do really hope for those last few phrases that we can cry out, renew, remake, restore. All right. Here's the, the thing about being able to see myself is I can see how my makeup is starting to run. So I get to be vain at the same time. Oh, boy. All right. So, our message today. Um, I have been returning to some of the Bible stories that uh, were read to me when I was young. Um, I'm finding that every season of my life as I get older, um, that the way you see a lot of things change. I've even gone back and reread some of the books that I read in college, and I find that my perspective is different, <laughs> having had the life and experience that I have. Um, but I'm a big fan of Old Testament stories because I love how wild they are and how some are just ridiculous. Chris and I were in the middle of a basketball game. This is what's fun to be married to another pastor. We're just in the middle of a basketball game. He just turns to me and goes, what's the name of that? that what was the name of the donkey that talked? <laughs> I'm like, Balaam's donkey? Yeah, that's it. And again, I'm like, oh man, what a crazy story. Maybe we'll tell that story another time. Um, but I love how wild and ridiculous these stories can be. So I'm going to be telling you a story today. Um, and it's one that has really boggled my brain since I was a preschooler. And I was sitting in my little Lutheran Sunday school class, like a good little girl in my uh, white tights and my cute little dress, listening to this on a flannel board. You guys remember flannel boards? Anybody a flannel board person? Maybe. Um, so I find that the Bible offers these fantastic stories that urge us to stop and to be astounded. And, uh, and for us to think about how we see ourselves in this story. So often we can read the Bible or any historical work really for that matter. And we can mix, miss the context of the story because we can make assumptions based on um, our own knowledge and experience. And so while our perspective is valid, um, so is listening for understanding in the context of the storyteller. And so for those of you who grew up listening to Bible stories, I'm really curious um, how you view those stories today. Have you gone back and read them? Has anything changed? Um, and what has stayed the same? Um, I really believe the Bible has the power to shift our perspective. It is this big book of lots of books that are filled with wisdom and stories of history and poetry, all put together to help us grow and evolve. And it can also help us to see what has changed in humanity and what shockingly has not changed, what has stayed the same for thousands of years. So I'm gonna give you the setup to the story that we're about to read. So a little bit of history. I nerded out on this this week. It was so much fun for me, so I can't wait to share it with you all. So here's the setup to the story I'm about to read to you. So it, the story is told by Ezekiel, and Ezekiel was a Hebrew prophet. And he was in this long line, like 700 years deep of prophets of Israel. And out of all of those 700 years in the Bible, we have 16 prophets that we get to hear their story. 
16. So it must have been pretty special that this story made it in the Bible. Now, prophets weren't glamorous like kings. Um, and prophets were what the Hebrew people of Israel, that was their leader, was a prophet. They didn't have a king at this time. Um, and kings were flashy and had kingdoms and thrones and money and all those things. And prophets like slept in caves and scratched around in the dirt. And so they weren't like people, people. Um, nobody was inviting them over for Christmas and all of that kind of stuff. Um, they were quirky and spent a lot of their times dreaming and having visions and then having to tell that to the people. So they had a pretty interesting job. So at the time that Ezekiel is telling the story we're about to read, the Hebrew people have been colonized by the Babylonians. And now the kingdom of Babylon had grown under the leadership of all these dynamic kings and powerful kings. And it began with this one obscure prince who took over from his father. His name is Hammurabi. And he lived in what is now modern day Iraq. And when he took over the rule and the reign from his uh, father, he was a pretty dynamic person. So quickly he made all these changes. He transformed the kingdom to be influential and powerful. Uh, he created a code of law, which he named after himself, um, of course. And the name of that city was Babylonia. And so he has this code of law. And then as he's acquiring things, he decides to create a big wall around um, his kingdom and build gates to protect everything that he has built. And so after that, he didn't just stop there. He's not satisfied with just, hey, I built a kingdom. It's, well, I need more. So he began to go out and go to surrounding areas and create war and havoc. And he would steal and capture from his surrounding neighbors so he could acquire more wealth. His armies began to invade and conquer surrounding cities. And he did this in that whole area of the Fertile Crescent, is coming in and consuming. So after he was done, after he died, he passed on this tradition to the king at this time of the story, Nebuchadnezzar. It's a wild name, Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar continued this work as king, and he fought and he destroyed all of the neighboring uh, nations around him. And he built more walls, protecting all the things that he built. And in 597 BCE, he moved into Israel. He claimed it as a part of Babylon and then spent the next 10 or so years moving the Jewish people out of their home. So, in the middle of this story, Babylon is the dynamic and fierce and overarching nation. It's expanded throughout the centuries. It's acquired land and wealth over and under the bodies of the neighbors around them. They had their own code of law, which they enforced to all the people under their control they had giant gates and walls to protect everything that they had. In fact, you can still see remnants of the Babylonian Empire today. And because of this, often we know that history is written by the victor. Whoever wins gets to tell the story. So what makes the story of Ezekiel stand out to me is that, that Ezekiel's story is written by a captor. It's not written by the victor. It's the voice of Ezekiel speaking for his people who have lost their privilege of human decency. They've lost their religious freedom and practice. They've lost their space, their land, their family. And it's in this voice that is still working underneath this code of a new law 
And Ezekiel is reminding the Hebrew people that they are still a people. And that while they're subject to laws, governance, religion, and education that breaks apart their very humanity, that their God says they are loved, that they are valuable as they are, and they shouldn't give up their fight. So this is where we pick up with Ezekiel. He's the prophet of God at this time with his people. He's displaced, but determined to keep his people together, even through this chaos. So here's just a snippet of what Ezekiel told his people. And if you wanted to follow along in your Bible, this is in Ezekiel chapter 37. So as I read, if you want to comment live, you can. I love seeing your comments. Um, what message do you hear for Ezekiel and the Hebrews in this dream? We'll talk about it at the end too. So one night, as he slept, Ezekiel had a dream. In his dream, he was lifted up by a spirit and flown towards a wide field far away from his captors. In the field, the spirit and the prophet landed together in a valley of sun-bleached bones. Together, they walked over and around, observing the sheer vastness of silence and decay. Ezekiel was shocked and stunned by this valley of bare bones. It was quiet. But then he was startled by the spirit's voice. Prophet, can these bones live? Ezekiel turns towards the spirit's voice and answers, well, only you know, so why don't you tell me what you know? The spirit whispers to the prophet, Tell these bones I have a message for them. Tell them the story of how they were made. Bone connected to bone, muscle and tendon to cover them, blood and water to run through them, skin and hair to protect them, and my never-ending breath to revive them. Tell them it is time to live again. The prophet did what the spirit whispered. He told the bones their story. And as the prophet spoke, the bones reconnected. Their muscles and tendons covered them. Blood and water flowed through them, and the skin and the hair formed a protective covering over them. The field stood up. And the spirit said, Prophet, call on the four winds. So Ezekiel called the wind, and the spirit began to move around the bodies. In the quiet, the prophet watched as the spirit moved through the bodies, breathing life back into them. And then the spirit looked at Ezekiel and said, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Listen to what they are saying. The Hebrew people are dried up. Their hope is gone. There is nothing left in them. Now go and tell them this. Tell them that their God has not forgotten them. I'll dig up their graves and I'll bring them out alive. I'll breathe life back into them. I will take them from slavery and I'll lead them straight back into their land. And then Ezekiel woke up. Mm -hmm. So this story, like many Bible stories we can read, can disrupt us or even disturb us. Ezekiel's life has been poached by war, 
He and his people have been colonized by greed and power of a much more powerful nation. And in this dream, he's given some vivid details of what God intends to do for his people. God's going to come. He's going to breathe life into dead places. God sees the colonizing and promises liberation. So what do we learn in this story today? For myself, uh, reading this story as a white woman living in America, standing on the ground, colonized from Ojibwe people, I'd say that I have more to learn from the story if I see myself as a Babylonian in this story. If I allow myself to awaken to a different reality, to see myself as a person who was born into a system with an immense privilege, immense privilege in religion, in education, in health, and in power. But you see, when I was taught this story as a little girl, I saw myself differently. I saw myself as a part of the Hebrew people who were being oppressed. And I saw myself as a person who was enslaved by evil, living in a world that was not my own. So often Christians are taught themselves to see from this perspective, um, to see themselves in the same perspective as the Hebrews. People who are living in a world that is not their own, waiting on God to save them from the evils of their own humanity. Often Christians are told that they're under persecution and threat from the enemy every day. And even after salvation, which is told to us, like pray and ask for salvation, the only real hope and freedom lies away for Christians somewhere else in heaven after death. So just think about that. If that's our narrative, if that's our narrative that we see ourselves as the captured, not the colonizers, then what we're doing is we're really spending our lives trying to be good, to try to earn salvation, keeping angry God appeased, instead of doing good, instead of creating good and flourishing life for, all, for ourselves and for all people, our neighbors, right now. So I'm hearing this story now as told by people of faith in a God of liberation. Ezekiel paints this picture of a God who liberates those who have been crushed and colonized and oppressed, inviting us to do the same inviting us in on that work. A God who calls humanity to see humanity and value in every human being right now and to stop violence and misinformation that leads Christians to value certain uh, behaviors and practices. Certain behaviors and practices are more important than the flourishing of all people at all time. So let me say this again. Our mission is to liberate those who've been crushed by oppression is to breathe life where there has been death. It is to practice heaven on earth right now and to push back hell that we are experiencing and that our neighbors are experiencing right now. We have hope and our hope is in healing. It is in the restoration of all things. Our hope isn't in being a Christian, all right? Our hope is in being that freedom, that liberation, that love, and that hope. That we'd receive the breath 
and the rebuilding that we need to flourish, that we receive breath and rebuilding and share it with those who need it also. Church, we are rebuilding. While we are in the middle of grief and pain and loss and death, we are still rebuilding. And uh, COVID has robbed us of a lot. Has robbed us of a lot. And in its wake, it's made space for us to change. Perhaps even to dissolve some old and broken systems. Maybe you're even noticing that in your day-to-day life now after a full year, that things have changed. You have new habits. You have new ways of thinking. You've figured out what it is that works for you and what doesn't. Things are changing. Perhaps you're discovering that your narratives have changed. So where are you today? Do you feel like the dried up bones? Perhaps you hear the story and you feel crushed, like really Nikki, more, more? Maybe the stories that you once told yourself don't add up anymore. Or perhaps you're in the middle of being rebuilt. You've seen the bottom, you're building. You're just waiting for the flesh to get on top of those bones. So church, wherever you find yourself today, don't give up. We are participating in life with a God of liberation. Don't lose hope. Also, don't stop feeling the hard and seeing the hard and then doing good, speaking truth to humanity all around you. So here is my prayer for you today. If you feel like you need something more, you want to put your hands on your chest, you can. You can open them up, close your eyes, take a deep breath. May you be filled with courage to fight for liberation. May our God of all hope fill you with life and peace. Blessings to you, church, and I hope to see you soon.